Welcome to In Context, coming to you from Vine Sanctuary, an LGBTQ-led farmed animal refuge in Vermont. We bring you conversations with authors and organizers exploring the connections between animal advocacy, race, gender, and social justice to help put today's big questions in context. and welcome to In Context. I'm Patrice Jones coming to you from the grounds of Vine Sanctuary and my guest today is Michelle Carrera, founder of Chili's on Wheels and other organizations who's going to be talking with us about mutual aid. Michelle is one of the most generous and creative people I know and so I am thinking about a particularly generous cow Today, her name is Luna. Luna was unfortunately incarcerated at a farm that was used to raise animals who would be killed as beef. The farm went out of, ran out of money and then just stopped feeding the animals. Many died. By the time that authorities arrived, to seize the survivors. Luna was so thin that she had actually begun to digest her own body. And yet she was nursing her own calf and nursing the calf of another cow who had become too weak to nurse. This was extraordinary generosity in the midst of trauma. And so admirable that I can hardly find words to say how much I admire her. She and her daughter Orchid and her adopted daughter or Oryx all came to the sanctuary. They live in the hardy herd of the back pasture. And if you're doing the morning cow count and you're three cows short, it's probably them because they love to go way high up on the ridge and way deep into the woods together. Uh, creatively enjoying their day. So that's going to be who's on my mind today while I'm talking with Michelle Carrera. Michelle, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Michelle, I want to talk to you about Chili's on Wheels, uh, which you founded, and also Casa Vegana de Comunidad in Puerto Rico, which you also founded, um, and talk to you about something that's dear to your heart and dear to my heart, which is mutual aid. And I know that a lot of people don't quite know what mutual aid might be. Uh, sometimes there's a confusion between that and charity. And so I wondered if you wanted to say, how? What, what do you understand mutual aid to be? Yeah, well, mutual aid is a sharing of resources and skills. It's coming together with what I say, would like to say is from what we have, what can we do from where we are with what we have? And so that uh, the term mutual aid has become a little bit of a buzzword since like 2020. Um, a lot of charities and nonprofits have kind of co-opted that term, but it terms um, in its pure form is non-hierarchical. So um, it's just people coming together um, with 
what they have and just pulling resources and helping one another um, in whatever ways uh, we can. So it's different from like charity, which is like there's a giver and a receiver. In mutual aid, we're all giving and we're all receiving. And I love the way that you phrase that. Uh, do, doing what we can from where we are and what we have. Um, because I think so many people struggle uh, with the question of what they could do and, and feeling like um, <coughs> they might need to have more resources than they have or be someone other than who they are um, or hook themselves up with some major organization um, in order to make a real difference. Um, in in their own lives and the lives of others. But mutual aid gives us all a place uh, to be part of that um, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, a little bit of it is on purpose. A little bit is, is the, the same charities and the same system of nonprofits coming from the back in the Rockefellers have disempowered people and have made people, it's on purpose. Like you, um, you can't do anything unless you donate your tax exempt dollars through here, you know? Um, so, but it leaves out like the, the very reality of people, like the very natural side of people, which is cooperation and it's helping. Um, and we can see this in humans, but we can see this in other species. I mean, you just talked about Luna and there are a lot of other examples I'm sure you can think of, of cooperation in between species. Um, in nature, like the, the birch tree uh, offsets some of its extra carbon to fur seedlings uh, as they're shaded. But then in the fall, once the birch tree leaves fall, the fir tree returns that carbon back to the birch tree. So like there's this, this system of cooperation that exists in all of us as natural to us. And um, I don't know, about a decade ago or something, I read um, Peter Kropotkin's On Mutual Aid. I was just writing that down to make sure I mentioned it to people. Yeah, because it's, it, and, you know, so he was a naturalist. For people that don't know, he was, he was an anarchist, but he was also a naturalist. And so this book is all about how the cooperation between species, mutual aid within species, is what's led to our evolution, to, to everyone, every species evolution. So, um yeah, I mean, the, the moment I read that, it, I was already a vegan when I read that. So it just kind of uh, resonated so so largely on me. Yeah, and he, I mean, he wrote that back in the, I don't know, late 1800s, early 1900s. And we've learned so much more since about how um, evolution has proceeded through various forms of mutualism and about how ecosystems absolutely depend on mutual aid, both within species and across species. And you're absolutely right that we do see this at the sanctuary all the time. Um, I think about the cows who groom each other, helping each other to get to the places where they can't reach. I think about Autumn, the elder cow who has appointed herself chief groomer of goats. Um, and I think about so many other uh, uh, idea, uh, examples. Another book that I thought of before we move on to talking about Chili's on Wheels, uh, while you were talking, is a, is a book published by the collective known as Insight that's called The Revolution Will Not Be Funded. Uh, oh, and yes. that provides a really useful critique of what some people call the nonprofit industrial complex. 
But let's talk about Chili's on Wheels, which you co-founded with your son, Ali. And I realized as we were heading into talking today that I kind of know the story, but I don't actually know the whole story. So please tell me the story of how you and Ali at age, I don't even know what, decided uh, to start what has turned out to be such an amazing organization. I mean, we didn't even set out to start an organization. I mean, to, you know, to start with, it's, it wasn't even on our minds. Um, we had been um, doing some work with Black Lives Matter. This is the summer where uh, Mike Brown um, was murdered by the police. And um, we were going out there in the streets, helping organize. And Ollie was four years old at the time. <laughs> and then in November, early November, um, you know, the news came down that Mike Brown's uh, murderer was acquitted. And so, you know, when you're kind of doing this work, it never, it's not shocking. <laughs> we always expect that this is gonna happen, that they're not gonna be held accountable, but it's, it's always devastating. So, um, so I was devastated and I thought, gosh, you know, I've been taking Ollie who's four years old and I wanted to do something that was, that felt a little bit lighter, um, to provide some sort of respite between, you know, this kind of really heavily charged, you know, activism that we had been doing. And so, you know, Thanksgiving was coming along and I looked, I said, well, volunteering at a soup kitchen might be nice for us. Um, and I looked for a vegan one in New York city and lo and behold, there's zero, <laughs> which to me was a surprise. Um, you think New York has everything, <laughs> um, but it doesn't have a vegan soup kitchen still doesn't to this day. Um, although there are now a lot other programs that do meals and meal sharing and all sorts of things. Um, but so at the time this didn't exist. So I said, well, I'm just going to do it myself. And, um, you know, I was food insecure myself at the time. I um, have been a freelancer, you know, forever. And so I had $50 left on my bank account. And I said, you know, I'm just, you know, split it 50-50 and 25 for our meal and, you know, 25 to share. And so that's what I did. I got all the little things in my kitchen, the little pots and pans. And I was able to make a 15 meals, I think, uh, of hot chili. And um, yeah, we went out and we just walked the streets of New York distributing it, just Ollie and me. Ollie would hand out the waters, you know, uh, putting him to work. <laughs> and um, yeah, throughout that process, you know, we're talking to people and there's just one person that we approached and we we're like, hey, do you want, you know, do you want a chili? And he's like, oh, no, no, thanks. I don't eat meat what <laughs> this is vegan <laughs> so you know but in the process of talking to him it became so clear and in the the struggle that that he was going through because this wasn't an offering anywhere you know so he was a houseless person who didn't have access to any vegan food even though he did not you know eat meat and I don't know something about in that moment just kind of I was like, oh, I have to do this again and again and again. Um, and I just, I started posting it on Facebook and I started getting um, support from my friends and families, getting a bigger pot. Someone offered to cook one day, 
you know, just uh, offering little resources here and there. And that's, you know, that's how it all started. And I mean, after that, we had um, some teenagers get involved from a local animal rights club in their high school. So high schoolers were our first volunteers who, um, who came out with us every single Saturday. And um, I mean, it's been eight years and we're still, we're still there every Saturday and the organization has grown leaps and bounds. There's um, a network now of, of Chili's on Wheels um, uh, locations other than New York, yes? And I feel like in the um, during the pandemic, you were not only giving out chili and other hot uh, foods, but I, I feel like there was grocery delivery going on at some point too. Yeah. So the pandemic, um, as soon as as soon as the city uh, shut down, um, one of our organizers, Eloisa Trinidad, who is now leading Chili's on Wheels, now leads the organization. Um, you know, read that the students in, in schools, the elementary school students would not be getting their lunches because the schools were going to be closed. Um, there was some backlash and eventually some of the schools opened and offered lunches again. But at the moment, um, they were going to be left without food. And um, yeah, we just started offering groceries and then that grew into anyone could request groceries from us, um, vegan groceries. And we had you know, everyone was obviously volunteer drivers, um, coordinators, telephone people. Uh, and we were giving out thousands of groceries like all across um, New York City. And I need to know, I need to know how the name Chili's on Wheels happened. That was Ollie. <laughs> this, um, this was not meant to be. Again, I would have given it a lot more thought, probably <laughs> overthink it. Um, but this was, this was just an Ollie and me thing. He was four years old and he's, we had carts. That's how it all started. We didn't just set up at a park. We, ha we had a little cart that we walked the streets offering people that couldn't get up from their, you know, their locations. And so he's just like, Chili's on wheels because of the wheels of the cart, you know? And I was like, okay, sure. Um, had I known that this would be going on for eight more years all across, you know, the country I would have maybe oh no I think it's perfect <laughs> I think it's perfect because that even if people don't know the story that's embedded in it and yeah. and somehow that's not the only significant mutual aid project that you have initiated because there's also uh Casa Vigana de Comunidad in Puerto Rico can you can you can how, how did that start I know I know about it but I actually don't know how it began yeah, so 2017, uh, I was in New York and Hurricane Maria went through Puerto Rico. And so I'm Puerto Rican. I was born, raised there, went to college there. I didn't move till I was an adult. So I have, you know, my family is still there. Uh, so I have very strong ties to Puerto Rico. And when the hurricane was going, um, I was beside myself. I was like listening to the radio um, nonstop trying to reach my family, I couldn't reach my family because the phone lines weren't working. And, um, you know, again, what can we do from where I am with what we have? And I said, well, what I have is food and connections to food. So I can offer food. And the immediate person that I, that I called was Dawn from A Welfare World who said, absolutely get yourself over there. 
and um yeah so eight days later which was the first that the airplanes were allowing people to go over because even planes were canceled and flights weren't going so we were there seven seven to eight days later and i already had connections in puerto rico with vegans i friends um they have had vegan veg fest that i've spoken in you know so i just showed up at their homes telephones weren't working again the internet wasn't working there was no power um, many places without water. And, um, I just showed up in their homes and said, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to, do you want to make food and give it out? Um, and sure enough, we got a team started making food in like parking lots, like with wood, like very rudimentary, just kind of grills, but we make hundreds of meals. There are a lot of, um, uh, like agencies that, that depend on government um for their meals like nursing homes or domestic violence shelters and the government was absent like in the aftermath of the storm completely absent no word from them so again mutual aid right we have to take care of each other because no one else will so um so we started giving out the meals there so in like a month and a half we had given out fifteen thousand meals um and about two months after I started seeing some of the bigger organizations like Red Cross and FEMA kind of pull out and leave. And people were without power still. People were without power in Puerto Rico for a full year after the hurricane. Um, so it just started thinking me, think, started get, getting me to think, what is relief really? <laughs> Um, because people are still in the same kind of need as they were when you got here a month ago, two months ago. So I felt like I couldn't leave. And so, yeah, so then I rented a house and um, I started, that was our kitchen then, you know, because we had been jumping around from kitchen to kitchen. So this became like our hub where we did all our meals from. Um, and then I started doing, there was a lot of interest in when we were giving out food, like, what is this vegan, you know? Um, so I was like, this is a perfect time to also tie it to the, the climate change and climate crisis that caused the storm to begin with, you know, these category five hurricanes to come. So we did a lot of events and movie screening, documentary screenings and, um, sustainability and in how to collect rainwater and how to you know how to grow food that will stay in the ground and in the course of a hurricane like a lot of roots uh root vegetables that will not be affected you know through this um and yeah and it's now its own nonprofit, and they've had to adjust um because of the pandemic so their programming has gone a lot more virtual now uh but also means that it just reaches a lot more people and yeah, so that's still going over there. And I think there's a small sanctuary associated with it as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So there, um, during the course of me being there, um, as long as long as soon as people find out that you're an animal lover or vegan, they start thrusting animals at you. So um, two people in different occasions um, just kind of put a chicken in our hands, you know, in the hands of the vol volunteers as we were uh, doing meal shares. And so that's how we had two, we had a hen and a rooster um, come to us 
um, who then, you know, who were free, free roaming in the house and, and, you know, um, would greet everyone when they came in. So to me, this, this was a great, a great opportunity also for people who were coming in because our programming was all over the place. It was go vegan for health, go vegan for the environment, you know, so the, the events were about different kind of the different intersections, but the animals were always the first ones to greet the people. So even you're talking about vegans, you know, go vegan for health, you still had the connection to the animals right as you were coming in the door. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that very much. <laughs> wow, you've been saying so many things that I really want to highlight for people the way uh, when, when you said, well, nobody's doing this, so I'm just going to do it myself. Or um, we have to take care of each other because uh, nobody else is going to do it. I mean, like that ethos is goes right to the heart of mutual aid. Uh, again, doing what we can with what we have from where we are. Uh, and, and I do think that that's, even if what you end up doing doesn't fall within the rubric of mutual aid precisely to approach activism from that stance, just what can I do from where I am right now with what I have right now, and then creatively deploying whatever resources you happen to have from wherever you happen to be, I think that's so uh, useful and enlivening and, um, and, and can work for anyone on any topic uh, that they're trying to make a difference about. But I also know that doing so much work as you have done um, and so much hard work in so many desperate situations and situations where you um, are encountering people uh, who are food insecure when perhaps you yourself also are food insecure uh, in the wake of an unnatural disaster uh, like that hurricane uh, compounded by capitalism. And um, I mean, that's an enormous amount of stress on you just as an organism. Uh, so that leads me to the question of burnout. And, you know, have you experienced that? Do you have thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I want to go back to what you said about mutual aid and caring. Maybe I said it, but like, I think that at the heart of it is caring, right? Mm -hmm. At the heart of it is caring for each other so much so that we will do whatever it takes to take care of each other. And that itself, if you do that for a prolonged period of time, it's beautiful work. You meet beautiful people, but you also get really tired, you know? So um, it was towards, it was towards the end of me being in Puerto Rico. I already started feeling the effects of burnout and I was just, I just kept pushing it aside. Like, no, I, I have to keep, you know, I have to keep going because there's still so much to do, right? That kind of thought process. And I moved to New York because really, because I fell in love. Um, and I kept, I kept working on Chili's on Wheels from New York City. Uh, this was in 2019. And then the pandemic hits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've pushed 
and pushed it aside and pushed it aside. And again, the pandemic hit, so I pushed it aside some more. And um, pandemic relief took a lot out of us. Um, you're dealing not just with all the organizing that has to be done, all the people that are suffering and, and holding space for people that are suffering and actively suffering, which takes an emotional toll as well. Um, but then you're also dealing with, am I gonna get sick? You know, I'm, I'm going out every day to supermarkets, trying to scour the shelves for whatever's left to, you know, to purchase, to give out. Um, I'm interfacing with people all the time. Uh, there were so many great unknowns about COVID. Of course. I mean, I remember that um, in the midst of that, toward, it was towards the beginning of the pandemic, um, you came up to Vine to, to, do, to do a bird transport, but also because that would give you a day of, of um, you know, being not in the city. Uh, and um, I remember that your energy was, you know, not as incandescent as it usually is. It was, it was dimmed and you seemed stressed. Um, and we all worried. What, we were trying to think, what can we do? What can we do to support you? What can we do to support the folks who were also doing mutual aid in Baltimore and other cities? It was, it was a lot to see, even for us to watch you from a distance. Uh, when you said that you were experiencing the effects of burnout, uh, what 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 were those effects? Because I, I want people who are listening to be able to, or watching to be able to recognize those signs if they start to feel them themselves. So it wasn't until the end that I decided to take a break. Till the end, till the end. When I mean the end, when the city reopened, when New York City reopened in like October, September, October. Um, but through it, I was tired, more tired than usual. My body itself was tired, a, a literal, like lead through my veins, tired. <clears throat> and you stop your patience tends to get a little bit shorter with people. Mm. Um, I, I am not known anywhere in my personal life in any type of having anger. So, you know, when you start having, when you start feeling that you kind of see there's, well, there's something here that's a little bit more wrong than, you know, than needs your attention. Um, you, for a person that cares, if you stop caring a little bit, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's definitely a sign that you need to take a break, you know, if you, um, and just kind of hopelessness right? For a person that thrives on hope and lives on hope, radical hope is what I call it, you know, this radical hope that we will get to be free, that we'll get to be liberated. And when you start losing that, um, that's all a sign of burnout. And so I spent, you know, so I uh, stepped away, Eloisa Trinidad took, took over Chili's on Wheels, has done an amazing job with it. They've now even gone on to like food policy for including plant-based foods in schools in public schools so like they're doing amazing amazing work two community fridges have gone up since then um but i stepped away and i've taken the last two years to kind of just well rest one physically rest which is really hard <laughs> for a doer someone that's used to doing to actually take a break and sit down and you know not feeling that move so there's a lot of resistance to rest too even when you're exhausted um but i've kind of had to work through that and also 
trying to work through the grief, the grief of, of everything, the grief of climate, the, you know, the grief of, you know, we're so close. I was just reading today, it's um, six to seven years that we have until I didn't actually know the exact time frame that we have to, until it perhaps isn't reversible, the effects of the climate. So having to, um, you know, to move through that, um, is, you know, it's an experience. Um, when you say work through the grief, what, what do you mean? Like, cause I'm, I can imagine people saying, yeah, yeah, work through the grief, but what does that mean exactly? Well, so, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am also a trained death doula. So I've worked with people as they're passing. Um, I worked with the families as, as they're dealing with their grief. So I, perhaps know a little bit about grief and know how to identify it in myself and how to hold space for it. But um, working through the grief, I mean, it, it just means experiencing it, feeling it, allowing yourself to feel it, to face it head on, you know, and to imagine the worst case, case scenario and somehow be okay with that, you know? It takes a lot to do that. But in that process, you know, so there's, you know, the uh, Kubler-Ross came up with the six stages of grief and they're, um, they're not linear. It's not a linear thing. Sometimes you go through anger. Sometimes you go through bargaining or, or um, denial all in the same day, you know, in little pockets of time in the day. So it's not linear. And um, going through that, you also find meaning, which is weird. Um, you find, you know, you find a new, it's like a redefining of what hope is, right? It's like a redefining, reimagining. So in climate change, right, we might be nearing the end of our species. And so what that means, you have to kind of come to terms with that. Not too long ago, I was listening to this brilliant artist. Um, uh, her name is Garcia, Alexa Garcia. And she was talking about how we have to now face um, what we call perhaps dying with dignity. The, and so this kind of also refocused for me what this grand hope is. The grand hope is to come, you know, this is the moment where we all come together and help one another. This is the moment where people get moved to hospice. This is the moment where families come together, regrets get spoken, things change. And it's a painful, but it's a beautiful process. And I think there's so much hope in that, in, in accepting the moment that we're going through. And then also what can we do now to take care of each other and weather this process together? Uh, and as climate change gets worse and worse, we're gonna have to be there for one another more and more, you know, fires and droughts and all of this and in people who don't have resources or people of all kinds, non-human people as well, are just going to need us to create these networks of support for one another. That's so true. Um, and um, I love how this theme of, you know, we have to take care of each other that runs right through all of your work. It runs through everything you've said today. Um, and of course, I and Vine uh, Sanctuary completely uh, endorse that ethos. Uh, you said that you took off a couple years, but now you're 
coming back? Yeah, well, I don't know if you want me to say it. Yes. Um, so I just joined Mind Sanctuary as a staff member, as a volunteer coordinator and project manager, and I'm very excited for it. I also want to extend thanks to you, Patrice, because this has brought back an even bigger kind of hope for me, you know, of, of being able to kind of come back to it in the same ethos and the same care um, that runs through my work, as you just said. So um, I'm very excited. So if anyone wants to volunteer, please get in touch with me because I would love to, to be that bridge for you to mine. Oh, yay. Um, and we're, of course, so excited and so thrilled to have someone whose work we've admired for years, who's been a member of our extended network for years, bringing birds um, to the sanctuary for years uh, to, to become part of the, of the Vine uh, paid staff. We're just so thrilled about that. Uh, so again, if you want to volunteer, reach out to Michelle. You can go to vinesanctuary.org and click on the Join Us Volunteer. Um, that's also where you can find show notes and other episodes of In Context, vinesanctuary.org. I want to thank you so much, Michelle, for making the time, uh, for being with us today, and for being so clear in your explanation of mutual aid, which we uh, and I feel to be just so essential uh, to what we need to do going forward. And I want to thank our producer, Sarah Jane Blum. And I want to thank you, our listeners and viewers, for whatever you're going to do uh, to bring more mutual aid, mutual care into the world from where you are with whatever you have. Thank you. Bye.